Hello everyone, my name is Mike Dice and we're back with another episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. Now, unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties when we were streaming the show live, we weren't aware until a couple minutes into the show that we were having audio troubles. So the audio recording of this is a little bit different than the live broadcast because we're missing those first few minutes. That being said, Elias and I were joined by Curtis Blades, who's coming off a huge win at UFC Houston over Adam Milstead. Um, the week of Super Bowl. He's in studio, making him the first in-studio guest to ever join the show. So we're going to pick up where the audio resumes with a better quality, and that is in the middle of a question where Curtis is talking kind of about his previous fight and his training um, at Elevation Fight Team with a more professional camp. Listen in. That's the biggest thing, but having, like, actual coaches and, like, like a staff and having like a scheduled mm. week of practice. Like I know what I'm doing Sunday night for the rest of the week. I know where I have to go, all that stuff. And um, going to striking classes, I wasn't doing that like how you're supposed to like every day. Mm. I would go like a week here and then fall off and then get back on it for two weeks. And it's hard to like get the muscle memory if you're not going all the time, and which now I'm doing, going to Dwayne's all the time. What's the uh, improvement that you felt in your in yourself been like? Have you have you felt your skills just jump yeah. radically? Uh, not radically. It's just the little things, like the things. I take it back to wrestling. Like it took me a while to like get like just a little slight movements to set up other things. I wasn't seeing those before it was striking. Mm. Now I mean I'm not seeing. I'm not like. I'm not a world-class striker, but I see little stuff, and I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't see that before. And it gives me a little confidence, mm-hmm. like, it's working. And just movement, the in-and-out movement, mm-hmm. it works well with striking and for my takedowns, like setting up, catching guys when they, they're heavy on that lead, lead yeah. leg, just a little stuff like that. So you're putting those transitions together yeah. now to, like, set up your wrestling, yeah. you feeling that? It's, it's still all about wrestling, mm-hmm. still. You know, Dwayne gets a lot of credit for um, his work with TJ Dillashaw and really, you know, elevating his striking game. Do you kind of see the same thing happening for you, or do you, are you always going to be wrestling first? I mean, I'm always going to be wrestling first, but it, it helps with the confidence, like, to know, like, oh, I don't, if I don't get a takedown this round, it's not over. I can still w- win this round on my feet. But, yeah, I want to go to the ground always. I know you don't have a shot on the ground. Like, on our feet heavyweight, everyone's got a chance. Even Adam, hmm. that's why I, I took him down the way I did because I didn't want to give him a shot. You know, you land one. He is a heavyweight. He's a small heavyweight, but he had a shot, so I always want to go to the ground. Hmm. Yeah. Have you felt like your power, like, you know, when you're hitting, you just felt like your power is improving? You're like, man, these little things are making me hit so much harder than I did in the past. Yeah, like, it's not the weightlifting. I don't lift weights that much. I'm already big, but it's just technique, hmm. sitting down, move my hips the right way, uh, spacing, mm-hmm. all the little stuff, is it makes everything better. You're feeling that balance, too? Because yeah. that's one of the hardest things, balance. right? Striking, feeling balance when you're throwing. Yeah. Yeah. You go from a jab to a hook, and then like a lot of Dwayne stuff, he likes to go from ordinary stance to southpaw or hmm. vice versa. He likes to do a lot of that, so that that's going to be a while before I can really <laughs> do that stuff. But it's just good just do the movements. Like, I know... I won't hit one of his 12 punch combos ever in a fight. But it's just good to, you can take like four of those and mm. use them and then end it with a takedown. Mm. That's what I do. So. 
What what was your this is, seems random you're talking about switching stances. What what what's your like lead foot when you're wrestling? Is it your right or is it your left? Uh, I'm I'm actually comfortable both. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's crazy cuz I go when I stand up to fights southpaw just feels it doesn't feel as awful as it did originally but and huh. it, it doesn't feel like this. Mm. as natural. But when I'm wrestling Left leg, right leg, it doesn't matter. That's interesting. That's got to help you in the scrambles. Like, if things get messy and you yeah. end up either one forward, you need to close that distance. You're it there. doesn't matter. Yeah. It actually happened the Cody East mm. I, uh He clipped me one time, and I, I just stepped in into a bear hug. It doesn't really matter what leg I use. We were talking on the note of wrestling. So, you're here visiting family, um, enjoying good food before you got to start, <laughs> you know, cutting down a little bit. Uh, but you're also uh, you're also going to hopefully help out a little bit uh, this week at your your um, your old high school as well. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that, where you went to school, uh, where you wrestled, and because uh, there's this Illinois State Championships coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I went to De La Salle. It's a private all boys school located on the south side of Brownsville, like a mile down from Comiskey. And um, I was a wrestling coach last year. We have a really good heavyweight. He, he's he's a senior this year, but I worked with him over the previous years, like here and there. Well, last year, I really got to work with him. I was a part of the staff. And uh, he's just, he's me. He's a really big guy. He's crazy athletic. And uh, I just, I want to help him. I want I want him to win state also. Mm. It was just, it, it's good for the school. It's good for him. Gives him options. And um, yeah, state this, is this weekend. He just, he won regionals. He won sectionals i think he's got maybe two or three losses this year mm-hmm. so he's he's doing a heck of a lot better than last year because last year going to this time he had like nine mm-hmm. so he's improved without me but I, I figure a few days of me helping him out can't hurt i bet it'll help it'll be just amp him up mentally he'd probably yeah. be very excited to see what's the young man's name again uh S- solomon smith gotcha gotcha that's, that's uh special for a high school student to have a professional athlete wow. um, in this sport, working with them. I mean, that's got to mean the world to this kid. I mean, I I know he appreciates it, so that's why I don't mind helping him out. I know he appreciates it. Was that hard, you know, considering your work with the, the school, you know, a school that you went to when you made the decision to go out to Elevation Fight Team? Uh, it wasn't hard. I know it's, it's business. I have to do what's best for me, but would I have preferred to stay on just to help him out? Yeah, I would have preferred that. Like, this, if the move... The Denver had happened three months from now instead of eight months ago. I would have preferred that, but you can't always have it your way. So. Yeah, life life uh, happens the way it is. Yeah. Are you fully like relocated out there? Or yeah. You, oh, I okay. So you live there. Okay. Yeah. That's. And what's uh, what's what's life other than the training, which it seems you love? Love. What's the life change out there? Is it much different? Is it the same? Uh, I, it's not Chicago. <laughs> it's not Chicago. Um, but you're used to the cold. Yeah. Well, actually, the weather there is way better. Right? Really? really? It, it's like 65, dry. Wow. It's nice. That is interesting. Huh. No bugs. No mosquitoes. I mean, they have bugs, but no mosquitoes. <laughs> so in high school, I went to an all-boys school, and I had actually gone to a co-ed high school for freshman year. Did you enjoy that, the all-boy high school atmosphere, or what was that like? Oh, uh, yeah. Overall, like, the first year, obviously, is like... It's weird. Mm. It's only eight guys and no girls. But then by senior year, it was weird to see <laughs> girls in the school. So it was a lot. I had to, like, 
uh, the culture shocked me both ways. Once I went to college, it was back to being around girls all the time, which right. was like another shock. I had forgotten, <laughs> forgotten how to act around girls. Right. It allows you to be comfortable in school because there's not like all this competition. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, because guys act like guys around girls. So, you right. know, like the macho, everyone's trying to one up everyone else. Mm. And it wasn't, like, we, we played around, but it was all like, Nothing malicious behind it. Right. So. There's nobody you're trying to impress. No. Uh. You know? So this, uh, this kid you're working with, Solomon, I think you said his name, it, you know, he, you say he's only got a couple losses and he's getting ready to compete for the state title. Is this somebody, you know, does he have college offers coming his way or are you kind of... I know he's got offers. I know earlier this year, another coach reached out to me and told me he had an offer from University of Indiana for oh, wow. football, though, for football. So oh, wow. wrestling offers, I don't know, but I don't know if he went state. You want to get offers, so right. that's that's what I'm focused. I would like to see him continue wrestling, but his his choice. Wow, that, it looks like he's going to have some some really good options. Though yeah. that's that's pretty cool. We were um, earlier before the show, we were all talking with uh, you know all of us and your and your manager uh, Rick Guerrero, and he was reminding us that it's been just three years since you started training MMA. Obviously, you had a combat sports background, yeah. being a wrestler. That's pretty amazing. You're, you're was it three fights on the UFC. You're multiple time winner. You got a win streak in the UFC heavyweight division. When you when you got uh, when you got into the UFC and you you know had that fight first fight booked, Curtis. Obviously, you had confidence in your abilities. But was there any part of you that was like thinking like, well, let's see if I'm good enough to be here? That's exactly. I was like, well, now we'll know. Hmm. <laughs> we'll know for sure because it's weird. I'm used to like. Wrestling, um, I always go against the best guys. Like for MMA, I some of my amateur opponents and one of my pro opponents, they they weren't the best. But that's just what it is. The heavyweight, you gotta take who, whoever was available. So that was like, I knew he was legit. He definitely looked legit. So that was like my testing mm -hmm. barometer right there. And the losses, that's what spurred me to go down in Denver. I didn't want to lose again. So you got some confidence from that loss. You got injured in the yeah. fight, but you had some real good moments in there. You realized, okay, even though I lost, I do realize that yeah. I can absolutely win here. Yeah, I definitely, I went in there with not a full t toolbox. I was definitely into a bunch of wrenches, mm. like a couple screwdrivers. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, it's, it's not full yet, but it's definitely a little heavier than what it was that mm. fight. Are you getting more comfortable in the UFC? Like, does it just feel definitely. more natural now? Yeah, well, it's not natural, but it's not as much as like, oh my god, like I'm getting used to it. It'll be, I don't know, like a year from now. I don't know. You can't put a timeline on it, but I am getting more comfortable like doing this stuff and talking to people. And God willing, you got time too. Yeah. Like it's your birthday this weekend, so happy birthday in advance. But yeah, happy birthday. You. But you're the youngest. Uh, Rick was telling us you're the youngest, which I didn't realize. Maybe you did, Mike. That Curtis is the youngest heavyweight in the UFC division. So. You know, you've you've definitely got time to do that. Do you do you think that way? Like, all right, obviously you want to improve every day and you want to win, but do you think like, oh, I've got I've got time, yeah. or do you feel like rushed? I'm, I'm not in a rush, mm. not at all, because I know how long it took me to get good at wrestling. Like, it didn't just happen. It took like by my senior year, I was like, I was able to go on the mat with confidence, like I'm supposed to win. Mm. So, I I go into my eyesight that, but it's still like it's different. You're getting hit. It's not the same. I don't have the same supreme confidence in my overall abilities as I do just in wrestling. Wrestling, I've 
I'll go against anybody. I don't care. Olympic gold medal. I, I, I might lose, but I, I know I'm good enough to hang with the guy. Yeah. But MMA is it's always because there's so much I don't know. Like even with jujitsu and stuff. Like in that last fight, uh, Adam, I don't know what he went for, but he went for something. I just jumped up and ran out of the guard. I don't know what he went for. But that, yeah, just stuff like that. that well, that, hey, that's always a good rule of thumb. Like. If you don't know what they're going yeah. for, get up and get out if yeah. you can. Yeah, that. <laughs> that's, do you you got the, your career's been really well managed, but in the training room, you've got thrown into the deep end right away, like well before you were even a yeah. pro. Uh, you worked extensively in Stephen Miocic's camp. Uh, you you've sparred with the likes of Fabricio uh, Verdum. What did that do for you mentally to go in even as an amateur? And, you know, like, how, how was the sparring? Uh, what did it do for you mentally? Even if you maybe didn't, like, oh, yeah, I didn't tap for Reese over Doom, but did you get anything out of it mentally after being in there with them? Uh, well, Stipe, that was early on. I was, mm. I was an amateur, so it probably wasn't the best at the time for my confidence because I was 4-0. I never really gotten beaten up on, uh. so a lot of that. But then I was like, like in hindsight, I'm like, it's, it's Stipe, so I... <laughs> I feel great about it now, but at the time, it, it lowered my comments mm-hmm. a little bit because I was like, shoot, I thought I was good. <laughs> but then I went with Fabricio. That was like a year later, a year and a half later. And he was the champ at the time, so I, I, I knew going into that, like, it wasn't going to be fun. <laughs> but it was good to know, like, now I know where my hands need to be in mm-hmm. order to, like, hang with elite heavyweight strikers. Oh, hmm. So I don't regret it. And you're at a camp with like a ton of big name fighters. You know, just working with them every day, kind of on that same token, kind of build that confidence. No, it does. Like hearing like Matt Brown give you a compliment when he doesn't really compliment many guys is it's great. It's hmm. great for your confidence. And then TJ, I go to Dwayne's a lot. He's he's there a lot. Neil, I actually I live in the house that Neil owns. Oh. I read. I I have like a sublease. I pay him directly. Mm-hmm. So he hangs out with us a lot. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's great to hang out, like, to see UFC, like, top-level guys and be around them and just see, like, you don't have to be always serious and gruff all the time. You can just relax. Hmm. And still it's be cool. a tough guy. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to act like tough, act tough all day long. Yeah. Well, when you're hanging out with that kind of crowd, you guys just know you're tough. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah. <laughs> you have nothing, nothing to prove there. That's it. Uh, Neil's not, he's from, he used to train with Miguel Torres when he first started. He's not, like, he's from, like, not too far from around here either, right? I don't know his exact origin story. Okay. He's been on everywhere. Yeah, that's true. I'm Indiana. I know he went to high school out in the south suburbs for, okay. like, a year or two. Wow. Like, maybe he graduated from Illinois, huh. but. So he was all over the place, yeah. Yeah, he, he lived in New York for a little bit, so he's, he's everywhere. I don't know where he's from. <laughs> <laughs> so, the transition to, um, you kind of talked about it earlier, you know, with this workout schedule, uh, feeling, you know, you're at this gym with all these other fighters. Is it kind of like, was there a moment where you're like, man, I'm really a professional athlete now? Yeah, and that helps you take it a lot more seriously. Like, you're like, I'm with TJ. I should eat like TJ. Well, I don't eat like TJ, but <laughs> I should do better. Uh, I should do better. You would go hungry if you were right. Yeah. <laughs> you could eat TJ, man. <laughs> He's a big hunter. Does he ever bring you a... Like, nah, he, he joked. Like, I'm not going to go. I'm not... I don't mind eating it, but I don't want to kill animals. Mm. I'm not, I don't like guns. Mm. So, like, if he taught me how to use a bow and arrow, maybe. But that's... 
even I just shoot it at like arrow, like mm. trees or targets. I don't really want to right. kill animals. Well, you're you're a nice guy, and it's kind of you know makes me wonder like if or when you started feeling like comfortable basically hitting people right so i've you we've seen rustlers we've seen great rustlers make amazing transition to mma right and some of them clearly relish like even like now they look at like the transition mma as a freedom like okay now i can finish this choke yeah. now i can actually i can throw a ball you guys I can have hit. those attitudes yeah like that. and some people are like me oh. and rustlers that wasn't me and that wasn't you because i like to just beat you because i beat you not because mm -hmm. i intimidated you or i slammed you and i i hurt your shoulder i want You'll leave the mat healthy, but I just beat you. Hmm. So. Hmm. Right. Was it hard for you then to start like hitting yeah, people as hard I, as you could? I, I, I still don't do that in sparring. I mean, <laughs> well, only sure, in the cage, sure, only. sure. It's better now because I know they're trying to hurt me, so it's like a self-defense thing. Yeah, right. It's, but I don't like, there's no blood, blood lust or like, oh, I want to go kill somebody hmm. now. Right. So, and everyone's always asking me, like, I'm like, that's, I'm, if we didn't get paid to do this, I would not do hmm. this. Hmm. Just. Hundred hmm. percent. So. so, did this just kind of like fall into your lap then? Yeah, like, this, this is like not the plan. You this is not the plan. I originally like going back to wrestling. I after I won JUCO nationals, the plan was to go on to a NAIA school, which is like a little bit above D two but below D one. Mm -hmm. And uh, my scholarship papers didn't go through. I forget what happened exactly, but it didn't work out. So I was like, I don't know what to do now because I'm getting fat, I'm getting out of shape. I just, I just miss going to practice, I miss sweating. And then like uh, a buddy of mine from high school who's always been into MMA, um, him and his dad, they go to a gym on the north side, or they used to go to a gym on the north side over by Humboldt. And I worked, I had a job with them, I worked security with them. So every night they're always asking like, yo, come to the gym, come to the gym. So one night I was like, all right, I, I went to the boxing gym started boxing for like a month or five weeks and they got me a fight and I was like I wasn't happy I didn't want to fight but I, I took the fight hmm. I won it and I was like oh that wasn't that bad hmm. so I kept doing it were you a fan of the sport or were you just kind of just stumbled into it and just got it I was a fan of certain guys like wrestlers like I was I always been a fan of Hendrix hmm. Woodley Jones Velasquez um, TJ I always, that's what it was for me. I just liked seeing guys get taken down. Like, it wasn't really the punching aspect, it was the takedowns mm -hmm. that attracted me. You know, amateur wrestlers, for a long time, there wasn't a career path for them. Like, if you're a basketball player in college, you can try and make the NBA or same with football. But overseas, like, this is it for wrestlers. This is either, cause my plan was to go to the Olympics, but it's not, it happened. So, next best thing is either you coach or you fight. Hmm. Would you ever try, like, to, you know, for Olympic trials again? No, not the way things are going right now. I've, I've, I feel like I should be making good enough money a year, two years from now. That That's what this is about, money. Like, mm -hmm. I just want to get as much money as I can in this little time frame. Because my knees, I got, like, eight, nine years in these knees, and I'm done. So I want to maximize opportunities. So I don't think I have time to make a run at the Olympics, but... That was the original plan. Hmm. Now, you won in such impressive fashion, and I was there, and it was interesting to see people react to the fight, uh, both online, which I was able to watch, and in person, because you just look so impressive. Do you feel, like, after that, that you've gotten kind of more 
um, attention or messages on social media or those kind of things? Like your fan base all of a sudden kind of is starting to grow and develop? I have, but like a, I, I still don't 100% like, it's hard to be happy with the win. Like I'm, I'm happy I got the W, but it's not like, it's not the usual feeling. It ain't the feeling I had after the last fight. Mm. Like I feel like that was a more, I was, I could be more braggadocious about that. Like I don't want to like brag, like I just destroyed this guy's knee, so. And everyone's always like, oh, good job, you destroyed this guy's knee. I'm like, that's not, those are the fans I don't like when mm. they're happy about that stuff. Like, don't do that. Mm. The fans that are kind of like for the blood, yeah. out for the blood, they don't appreciate it. I get it, but I just don't want them on my wall. I don't mm. post them on my Instagram or my right. Facebook. Is it like about that. empathy? Like, you know that yeah, it could like, be you. Yeah, exactly, because right. I, I don't have the best knees in the world either. <laughs> so, like, I would hate for that injury to happen to me. Mm. I would hate for people to be happy about that. Like, mm-hmm. don't be happy about that. Mm-hmm. It's such a unique perspective, I feel like, for a, a fighter. I feel like you see a lot of other fighters, there's so much trash talking and whatnot that you're really unique in that kind of way. Yeah. I, again, coming from wrestling, we don't talk smack. You go on a mat, you shake hands, you wrestle, you clap if he he does get injured. That's just like there's no smack talk. Like football, yes, that's different because you have plays, just a bunch of mini battles within like a giant war. So you have time to think about stuff to say. In a fight or in a wrestling match, you don't you're constantly engaged, and when you're not engaged, like in a fight, you're listening to a cornerman. So. There's no real time for smack talk. Gotcha. Um, we wanted to do some other things with you. We wanted to kind of, this, now these ideas were Elias. We kind of wanted to have a little bit of fun. So we had like a list of, a list of top fives. Like we wanted <laughs> to get your top fives. So one of them was foods. <laughs> we touched on it earlier. We, you gave us one of your favorite. It doesn't have to be a restaurant. It can be. We just put like five favorite dishes. Like and for Portillo's me, was a good one because Portillo's I love Portillo's. Yeah, Portillo's is a solid one. Portillo, like, I don't know if I have top five. Uh, <laughs> or even types of food. Like, I would say, like, oh, pizza, enchiladas, french Portillo's, fries. Portillo's, uh, Luminati's. There we uh, go. Harold's, uh, Owl's Beef. It's a lot of Chicago uh, you're representing. I, that's what I like. I like Italian. <laughs> um, I guess I only do ch- Chinese restaurants, but uh, I guess... Probably another beef place, uh, <laughs> Freddy's Pizza over in Bridgeport. That's a, that's a good choice. Too. Have you been yet? Mm-hmm. We gotta go. That's solid, man. Or Ricky Benny's. You do eggplant parm there, or just the or the breaded beef? I just breaded beef. Man, yeah. that's, if you're ever trying to go a little light, the the eggplant parm. Eggplant parm is amazing. It's it's the same breading. It's still deep fried, but it's just not like the beef. Yeah, I've good. you know I just I don't know how I feel about it. after the whole <laughs> emojis with the eggplant. I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> You chop it up. You, you cover it up. <laughs> That's great. That's it, ruined, it ruined ever. eggplant for I you. Remember. I have like all these legitimate reasons why I don't like eggplant. Now everything's going to be changed. That's right. So music. Who do you listen to like when you're working out? What's on your playlist? I'm working out. Uh, I don't like uh, You heard a little Uzi? Or yeah, I know. I'm a, I have a big hip-hop head oh. personally. I, it's not real rap, but it's... It's not. For practice. That's a debate for another day, though. Yeah. I'm not even going to... Argue it's not rap, but I like the beats. Mm. I, I like the catchy phrases. So Uzi, Yachty, uh, ch- a chance to rapper, just all day, just listen to him all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, 
mm-hmm. or J. Cole. I like, I go from the ratchet. That's extremes, man. To yeah. like the conscious. I yeah. like both. It just depends on the mood. Well, mm. When you're working out, you need like the, something with the beat and the yeah. tempo. But when you're listening to the music, you need something like lyrics. J. Cole or Lamar for yeah. the lyrics. You know, so. there's a Kendrick. I can't remember the name of the song, but there's one song where he daisy chains all these lyrics together, and it's just incredible. Um, He's a great lyricist. Like driving music, because we spend the majority of our day mm. driving from gym to gym to gym, so we listen to a lot of music. J. Cole, um, no role models. Like J. Cole, like I listen to anything. Those are the good artists when you can just pop it in. You don't have to listen. You don't have to know what album, what mixtape. You know it's gonna be good. Mm, right. Like, Chance the Rapper. I listen to anything by him. Yeah, and he was really impressive. I think he stole uh, the split of the shine off the Life of Pablo album. That first song he did, like the, the glory yeah, one. I, yeah, I seen. Uh, I heard a rumor that like Kanye wanted to take his like a whole verse out of the really? album because it was just it went yeah, so hard. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I mean, wow. like, when I listen to that song, it's a Kanye song, but I'm listening to it because of Chance. Chance. Yeah, it's. Mm. I mean, it was just super impressive. He. He's legit. I watched the Grammys just to watch him. Right. I didn't watch everyone else. Right. Oh, sorry. No, you're well, good. And it's cool being a Chicago person, seeing him have success. Yes. Especially, uh, I remember like two years ago or one year ago when he was doing um, one of the, the New Year's Eve specials for one of the Chicago local broadcasts. And to see him go from that to like this has just been incredible. Yeah. Like to watch his growth, like we're witnessing. Like I think of him as like young Kanye mm-hmm. before he lost his mind. Right, right. So, Backpacker Kanye. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, we're getting to kind of see that rise in you right now. You know, you're like the chance the rapper rise. You're in the UFC. You got two wins. You're looking super I hope impressive. So. <laughs> you know, uh, you don't give your stuff away for free, though. Let's see. No, he can do that. He, he's a baller like that. Uh, yeah, uh, I can't. All right. Well, man, we know we know you're going to be helping out uh, do the sale, uh, so we want to let you get to practice. But really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to stop Thank in you. after your fight. Really uh, excited for you heading back into to, to Denver and get some more work in, man. Hope you uh, eat as well as you can before you head I, back. I definitely will. And the next time you're in town, we're, we're going to bug you again. We'd love to have you for on sure. the show this, again, Curtis. This was fun. Awesome. Well, where can where can fans uh, follow you on the internet or find more about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at at Razorblades two six five. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, thank you much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And everybody, please go follow him or give him a like on Facebook. Um, right now, we're going to play audio from his media scrum after his big win over Adam Milstead at UFC uh, Houston. Uh, Dennis Bermudez versus the Korean Zombie. So we're going to do that, and then we'll be back. And after we get back, we're going to have Dustin Poirier joining us on the phone to talk about his big fight at UFC 208. Take it Walker. Thank you. Thank you. Man. Hope you had a good time. We did. Oh, yeah, yeah. We definitely did. I was one of the better ones. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, anytime I you have time, love to have you, uh, you know, come in and be part of the show. Nice. Thank you so much for coming in. Do you want to water or anything for the road? Yeah. Yeah, I got one. Let's <laughs> to put it over the radiator for a minute, real quick. <laughs> 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 temperature person. <laughs> yeah, I got sensitive teeth, so I drink like an old person. I get the I get the room temperature one as well. <laughs> Best of luck to you too. You know, I was really uh, rooting for you. I thought um, when I was watching your media scrum, I just thought you were like well spoken and really polite. You know, it's it was just 
refreshing um, from the media side, being at your last fight. It's just kind of a different approach. And um, I don't know if it was a conscious thing or not, but just wanted you to know that it was noticed. Easier not to be a jerk and be cool. Yeah, well, thanks again, brother. Safe travels. Good luck this weekend with it with the guy. I hope he does well, man. I, I, well, we'll send you the link and like show me some of that shout out. Maybe they'll like that, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Are you verified on everything? He's got the hookup for that. If you weren't, get your verified. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. I got a bunch of buddies in my intro. <laughs> 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 the whole team, right? Make some money on it. Well, thank you again. It's nice to meet you. Very good. You as well. Yeah, right? Really nice. Really nice. You think it went well? I think so. I think he I think he legitimately enjoyed himself. I think um, when he, when I first met him downstairs, he was definitely, you know, like guarded and, and nervous. But I think he absolutely relaxed. And he, I think he did have a nice time. He, he, he said, he's like, that's one of the best interviews I've ever done. Like, you know, he enjoyed it, you know, so. Yeah, right? That was cool. It was good. Mike got him going on that. He said he had strong music takes and he liked it. What Tyler was saying. I said, "Yeah, it was good. You got him going on that. You guys are able to to vibe on that." I can we we can cut this off too whenever, right? Yep. So yeah, so like we can try him. him right yeah, now. let's do it. That's a good idea. Yeah, then I'll we do can that. Just, like, cool. Then we can just plug in and, and go. Good idea. That's the actual cool guy way to do it, right? Have him waiting and stuff, and it's, it'll just be here and here. Oh, yeah. Right, man? Is there? Yeah. But, I mean, you can call him, like, on. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was asking now. Good. It's good to try it now, right? Yeah. I wish I knew how far into this video we are. <laughs> we'll, we'll gab for a while if we need to, bro. If it ends, we'll just uh, talk about it. Yeah. Super nice guy, man. Really nice, yeah. I had heard from people that you uh, um, train with him that he's just a really, really cool dude. Chicago he's like a people. Sage North Pat without the cheesiness. Without, yeah, he's like a sincere. You think I crossed the line on her? That made it weird when I was talking about how polite he was from like the media side of things at the scrum. No, in, in private conversation, no, no. Because that's like that's like when I, after the fight, that's what I walked away from. Yeah, I was it, like, this guy is like, the, yeah, he's like a sage north cut without the cheesiness. I think as long as we fucking mean what we're saying, we're saying it for the because we mean it. That's not yeah, okay. yeah, and sure, sometimes it's not necessarily a question we pose, but like yeah, no, I thought it was fine.
All right, we are back. Uh, that was you know, Curtis Blades, who was just on the show, talking to the media after his big win at UFC Houston over Adam Milstead. For those of you who didn't watch the fight and maybe don't know what we were talking about, he uh, was really ragdolling him, suplexing him, just kind of throwing him around the ring. And eventually, his, um, Adam's knee buckled, and Curtis won the fight. And he was kind of talking about how um, he was disappointed to win that way. As you heard in the post-fight interview, he was saying it's because he wanted the uh, post-fight bonus. You know, as a new guy in the UFC and a relative new guy in the sport, I don't imagine he's making Conor McGregor money. Uh, not that anybody is. But, um, you know, so it was interesting to hear him talk about that. And more importantly, to hear his perspective on that, having been somebody on the opposite end of that, that somebody who had lost that way. Mm. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, he had a fight stop between rounds, if I'm remembering correctly, when he was fighting Francis Nagano for an so. eye injury. I think so. Um, so, you know, it's something he certainly uh, understands. But, you know, there's not a lot of people who you think fight about that way. You know, right. you lose, a, you win a fight by like, like that. Like, I don't know how many fighters walk away thinking, man, I just missed out on that performance of the night bonus. Right, or, right. But, or that they're thinking about, they're empathizing with their opponent in that way. I think you do later, but for him to, he seemed to really, really mean that. Like, ah, he, even before, he's like, I wouldn't have targeted his... I wouldn't have targeted his knee if I knew he'd hurt it. Like, what? That's that's definitely not <laughs> typical. If you knew he was hurt, you definitely should target his knee. But he just he really takes that empathy uh, far. Jeremy in the chat says he knows his barbecue. Daddy Gills is the bomb. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a uh, interesting. But listening to him talk, you know, you talk about empathy. The the hunting thing stood out to me. Yeah. You know, I'm not personally a big hunter or anything. I don't know that I have any legitimate reason to it. I've never just explored the opportunity or have friends who have pressured me to do it or not. So I've never had to cross that road, but you know, it's interesting to hear him talk about that. And, um, you know, then to correspond, like correlate that when he's talking about fans on social media, talking about, you know, him destroying this guy's knee and posting the images and him not wanting to see it on his timeline or whatnot. Like it's just, it's very rare in a sport that, um, you know, involves hurting people that somebody is so sympathetic or concerned about the well being of others. And, that's not something that you find not only not only in MMA but just like in the world in general these days. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's exactly right. It, it stood out to me too. Uh, I'm I'm with him on the uh, on the hunting thing. Like I would just be like, uh, I don't want to go and kill that animal. Like, but you know, the, plenty well, of people do. And you're a dog owner. Yeah, and like I'm a right, dog owner. Right, I, right. There's no way I could. You know, so. it, would, it would be if I needed to. Like if it was a survival thing, I hope I could. But yeah, I'm I'm low on life skills, Mike. I don't know how to hunt. I don't know how to grill things. I, I, I can grill. A bit. Can you grill? But I buy my food. You <laughs> see, I, I cook a little bit. I fight a little bit. I write a little bit. But uh, I don't really know how to do much of anything. And just uh, to chime in for those of you who are waiting eagerly for Dustin the Diamond Poye to come calling in, we're uh, we're having a little tech difficulty getting him on the phone, but we're trying. So yeah, we're trying. Just him. be patient. Drop um, the line. Hopefully, we'll still get him. But you know, we were talking about uh, what were we talking about. Curtis, I Curtis had a, and empathizing, and yeah. we also oh, oh. had a good music and food discussion with him yeah too. with his uh, with him going to work with this kid from high school. Yeah. You know, we've seen other fighters do it. Like there's you know famously before the Dominic Cruz fight, there was all those specials of Cody Garbrandt going back to his uh, yeah. old high school and um, Clay Guida coaches uh, high school here as well, a really top team. You know, just you know, there's there's he's not certainly the only one who does it, but there's not. I imagine many people who do that, who go out well, of their way to, there's uh, not many at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that's really cool. And he's uprooted his life mm. to move across the country, to focus on, um, being a professional athlete to the best of his ability and training in a certain way. And he's coming back to help this kid that he owes nothing to. Yeah, and, you know, I can't imagine, you know, I, I don't know this kid, um, anything about him personally, sure. but I just kind of put myself in high school. If somebody, 
you know, of his um, status, professional athlete came to help me um, in high school, how much it would mean to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's that's something that I didn't know about about him, and I think that's something that needs to be commended. Yeah, no, I think it's cool, and and I think his attitude about it was even cooler. He was just like, yeah, I've done some work with him. I like him. He's not acting like he's you know the young man's father giving him stuff he's like yeah i'm sure i'm sure curtis had good coaches i'm sure people helped him and he's thinking yeah, yeah. Why, why, if i'm in town why not spend he's not some more time with him that's saying that's cool attitude he's not saying this kid's success is dependent right, upon him right, but he's just right, saying right, like right. hey yeah and then that speaks to him as a person though like mm-hmm, i you know mm-hmm. i here i am and i can help somebody out and it doesn't require much from me yeah. and i'm gonna do it and yeah. you know now, now I have a reason to watch state championships and yeah. Illinois wrestling yeah. and somebody to root for. So absolutely, we'll have to look into when that is and um, try and figure that out. But you know, that's really cool. And him working in elevation with Dwayne Ludwig, I think, is going to be really interesting. Yeah. You know, he talked about getting more comfortable with his hands, right? And we've seen what he's done with TJ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, could be a very dangerous guy if you know he's not ever going to be as fast as someone yeah. who's a bantamweight. No heavyweight is right, right? Yeah. But like. If you know he gets more comfortable, and to hear him talk about getting more comfortable, like this is a guy who's dangerous already, and he's right. only going to continue to become more dangerous. This is a yeah. guy, like, you know, do you see him as a future champion? Well, I mean, I think he's got the tools to it to to do it. I think he's he's very young. He just started MMA, like three years doing a thing, is not a long time to do a thing, and he's already in the UFC and winning in the UFC. If he if if these new coaches at elevation. At uh, at at uh, Dwayne School at all the different places they go around. I know he's got a boxing coach up there too, and I know they they travel around. If they're a great fit for him, uh, and he stays healthy, I, I don't see why not. I mean, listen, there's not many guys that have to cut weight to make 265. There's not, uh, and that are also athletic and in shape. So if you got that type of physical skill, and then you've also got a great wrestling base, I don't, I don't see I don't see why not. I, I think uh, I think Curtis has all the tools, and it seems like now he's got the resources to uh, to make a way for it. There's it's such a hard thing to to like predict because you need so much luck and to stay healthy. But uh, I don't see why not. I mean, this guy was in as an amateur with Steve Miocic, getting you know knocked around a bit, getting knocked around by Verdum when he was just starting as a pro. So I think he's got a real good sense of what the benchmarks are, what if what you know what those guys feel like. So I think as he improves. And as he gets more experienced and comfortable, I think he'll he'll be well situated to make a run. You know, so humble that he wouldn't say that he walked away from those things confident. But I mean, right. you walk away with some knowledge. Yeah, and that knowledge, whether it made you confident or not, is something that you can use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you want? I can try because I know we'll be out of time, so I could try to give Dustin another call see if we reach him. Sure. Um, that. In the meantime, we can talk a little UFC 208. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who watched, that was the big fight this weekend, and that's what we wanted to talk about, Dustin Poirier. Um, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, he got the fight at the night bonus for his fight with Jim Miller, which is just absolutely incredible. And a night that wasn't necessarily the most entertaining for a fight fan mm-hmm. to watch. His fight against Jim Miller uh, stole the show easily, not that necessarily there was a whole lot of competition. Um, but, you know, it was entertaining and it was gritty, and you know, the thing that walked away from um, – for fans perception of Dustin was his sheer determination. There was a point, and I think it was the third round, maybe the second, but um, where you realized he had injured himself and he was hurt and he was able to fight through that to get the win. Um, that was a huge, huge display of uh, grit and determination. And he deserves, um, you know, all the accolades and respect for that. And I guess a really great opponent too. Like that's just a hard Jim Miller's nobody. Call. Jim Miller's awesome, man. Or yeah. Isn't nobody. Right. Yeah. Jim yeah. Miller is as good as, as this good is a guy, as it gets. He's like, I think, 
if I'm remembering correctly, top five or top ten fight time in UFC history. Yeah, or I'm sure at least among fight, active I, fighters. He's probably in the lightweight division. He's probably up there top four or five with wins. Right. Like, you know, like he's he's an incredibly good fighter um, and a really tough matchup because he's he's one of those really good wrestlers that learn how to box and then also develop great jiu-jitsu. He's awesome and he's he's you know he's he's as tough as it gets. Him and his brother Dan are always you know could beat anyone on any given day. Um, but yeah, Dustin, uh, that was a, that was a big win, especially coming off of uh, coming off of a loss before. It was important for I can only imagine how important it was for Dustin Poirier to to get back in the win column because now he's won five out of six, um, and he's he's really making a mark in that lightweight division after after coming back up from featherweight. Right, he he lost to Conor McGregor featherweight. Soon after, he moved back up to lightweight, and he's looking really good. He's an American top team. He's got Mike Brown, a bunch of other awesome coaches, and. They're putting it. They're really putting it together. And yeah, that was uh, that was an impressive fight. As as much as I like Dustin Poirier, you know, I couldn't have said with certainty. Oh, for sure he'll beat Jim Miller. You never know if you can be a guy that good. So that was a big, big statement win. Uh, and um, and since we, I I couldn't reach him, so I don't know. Unfortunately, we we might have to have him on another time if we don't hear back from him. But it allows us a little bit more time to talk about his hair. And I'll let you guys know what I was going to ask Dustin if we got him on the line, which is why have you been hiding that beautiful hair your whole career? I didn't um, – I, I wasn't going to be the one to bring it up, but I think that's what I noticed at the fights. You know, when you saw him come out and you're like, oh, you look a little different nice. than I'm used to seeing. And, uh, you know, a different in- image. Um, you know, so it was – you know – I don't know. It's a big he looked thing, good. But. He's a handsome man, and the hair accentuated that. Yeah. And I, and I'm going to talk to him about it for 30 minutes when we get him on. He'll never come on again because so, of that might be. Maybe he heard I was going to ask him that. Maybe that's yeah. why he's not picking up. So, <laughs> so the uh, the event was kind of a dud. I think Dana mm-hmm. White said something to the effect of that the only way that this fight or the the most exciting a part of this event was the flight home. Yeah, he's an um, asshole. <laughs> yeah. It, it, there was. And I think part of that is because there was a lot of decisions and people seem sure. to find that that is boring. It kind of goes back to the, you know, fans out for blood thing that we were sure. talking about earlier. But um, let's talk a little bit about the main uh, event. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, there's a lot of controversy surrounding that fight. And, and we'll get to the coming because there's a lot of controversy oh, there, too. Sure. But I've written a lot about the about the uh, I wrote about the, the main event and all that controversy for so, my column at MixedMartialArts.com, so I'm ready to go, man. It seems like some people, oh, man, you're fired up. <laughs> I am, because I haven't seen anyone else write about <laughs> So I'll just slaps, throw yeah. it up and you can just... <laughs> well, the th- here's the thing, Mike. So I didn't watch the event live. I watched it Sunday morning, but, you know, I was I was on my phone. I would see some of the discussion on Twitter or the underground, people discussing things, and and um, I heard I kept on seeing two things. One, like, oh, maybe controversial decision. Maybe Holly deserved the win. I was like, oh, that's interesting, you know, because I didn't know who to pick going in. I thought either woman could win in any given night. I definitely predicted in my mind that, uh, and, and to those that I talked with, that Hollywood would eventually try to wrestle Jermaine. Uh, but I didn't know who was going to win. So I thought, yeah, maybe it was a hard hard uh, fight to judge. And then I saw all this stuff like, hey, Jermaine should have been penalized, should have had points taken away. And then when I watched the fights on Sunday morning, Joe Rogan, who uh, I love and, and respect professionally, uh, just you know, was losing his mind saying how much, uh, you know, how, how Jermaine should have been penalized. And I think that's like completely off base. The, I, the only person that should have arguably uh, had any points deducted in that fight was clearly Holly Holm. So here's the things that people got wrong about Jermaine, and here's the stuff they missed about Holly. Lay it out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so first of all, at the end of at the end of I think it was the second round where Jermaine absolutely connected with a big rocking shot after the horn had sounded. 
I think and it was it, after the second, and, and no doubt it impacted the fight. Um, people are saying, well, she hit, she, she hit her after the bell. Yes, she did. Did she hit her after the ref interceded? No, she did it, and that's all that matters. If you have a, if you, if you've been around the sport for a while, you have good memory. You might remember uh, occasions where fighters stopping before a ref jumps in, whether it's at the bell or whether it's after a tap that they felt, how it's bitten them in the ass. Marilla Bustamante well, in a championship fight had to tap out Matt Lindlin twice because Lindlin tapped on him. Marilla felt it, let go. Matt Lindlin said, "I didn't tap," even though it was on TV. He had to do it again. Uh, same deal. People stop fighting before they, they disobey the refs' uh, orders to protect themselves at all times. They get tagged when when they think they shouldn't uh, they shouldn't have to continue fighting. You know, to your point, Alistair Overeem after the Stephen Miocic yeah. thing said he thought he felt uh, Stipe tap. Now exactly. whether that right is actually how he felt or whatnot, you know, because of the way that he was interviewed immediately after getting knocked out, right, right, um, right. That's a different debate entirely. But he said he felt a tap and he let go. Yeah. And for people who are fight fans who might recognize this. Uh, it kind of made me think of Floyd Mayweather with that yes. was Victor, Victor Ortiz. Ortiz. Yes. Yeah. And he, um, the fight was going and that's what they tell you. Protect yourself at all they times. So do. if you hear the bell, that doesn't mean you, you drop your hands and expect no. the other person to stop. No, the person reaches out to hug you. It doesn't mean you hug them. It means you, right. you continue fighting. And if you look, I watched the fight a lot in those moments, specifically a lot in slow motion, Jermaine absolutely, um, did not continue punching in that, in that moment after the ref, I didn't see Now she started throwing the punch before the ref get in there. Did the punch connect once the ref's hand was in there? Yeah, maybe. But you can't stop a punch mid, you know, a mid throw. And then the next round, as the next round, we'll, we'll go forward and then go back really quick. The next round, when Joe Rogan was saying, oh, she, she did it again. She needs to be penalized, taking a point away. And even I believe the ref wondered at that point. That was a whole lot of nothing. That's a ref jumped in and stopped a scrap. Like these women were scrapping until he jumped in. That's fine. That's what happens. But before that, Mike, earlier in the round, which these two things happened, which – were completely ignored, as far as I can see, by the announcers, by the ref, and by the fans. Um, was first Holly Holm, like ink, you know, not even a controversial thing. You, we've seen this on freeze frame. If you go, uh, it's on that moment is actually freeze frame and at mixedmartialarts.com in my column. She punt kicked Jermaine in the crotch. It was one of the most blatant low blows we've seen in recent memory. Was it intentional? It doesn't matter. Like, that's not the point. She, Jermaine just didn't show it. She got punted in the crotch. It's one of the most, one of the worst blow blows you've seen. No warning, no points taken away. And as knowledgeable fans will know, the, the, the first warning comes in the locker room. That's your warning. So a ref actually has the discretion the first time they see an offense in a fight to take a point. No warning, no pause, no outrage, no nothing. Then after Holly hit a beautiful question mark kick that dropped Jermaine at the end of that round, Jermaine had almost fell down completely, had both hands on the, on the ground for a moment. And I don't know if the kick connected on her face when she had a hand up or both down, or, but Holly absolutely started kicking when Jermaine had four points down. Usually you'd say, hey, there's a, you know, hey, Holly, watch it. You know, there's some type of warning. After that, Jermaine got right fired up and kept throwing until the ref jumped in. I see no reason to have any outrage at Jermaine uh, Durandame, and I think there was absolutely good reason, if for only that egregious low blow um, that Holly hit on Jermaine, for, for her to have had a point taken away, for her to have a, a little discussion from the referee. Um, I, I think people like Holly a lot. I think they know her well after a huge win over Ronda, and so they don't like seeing her lose. Um, so, uh, you know, I think if you want to make an argument that the ref should have been closer at the 10-second mark, right, to jump in, 
faster, fine, make that argument. To, to criticize Jermaine Randomay for fighting from like until the ref stops you the way I thought we wanted to have. I thought we liked that, right? I thought we wanted that. I think that's really, really off base. Um, and it, you know, other than that, I, I definitely thought Jermaine won the fight. I thought she 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 managed to beat up Holly pretty good. I it didn't was, predict it, but she definitely deserved that fight. It was a, you know kind of weird seeing people think that Holly went out right mm-hmm. on social media afterwards. I'm having watching person. Me but too. About the, I didn't get it. No. But about the bell thing, and John Morgan po- pointed this out mm-hmm. um, at the event, and after he pointed this out, I was kind of thinking about it, and it made me kind of agree with him. Um, he was like, "I don't know that I heard the bell after the third round." I was like, "You know what?" I, do, I didn't. Right. And I definitely did after the second mm-hmm. because I was sitting there and I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, that landed after the bell. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, the third, I didn't necessarily realize the outrage for that incident mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. you saw the referee yeah, um, talking about talking it. About it yeah. And then you could see the chatter on social media because, you know, you're watching Twitter. So, um, and, and the fighters often don't hear it either, Mike, which is, which is why, even if you, like I cite this from the unified rules, ABC or unified rules, the, the, any offense – thrown after both the final horn sounding or the round uh, ending uh, horn sounding and the referee getting involved is cause for for point deductions the the ref is that the bell is a signal to the ref to jump in the 10 second mark is a signal to the ref to get ready to jump in fighters are fighting they're not supposed they can barely some some of the fighters can barely hear their corner people talk to them i know in half my fights in amateur fights as such as they were i didn't hear anybody say anything to me the ref's Stop the fights. Well, and you always That's have when it stops. And you always have those fans screaming the most ridiculous stuff like throughout the whole fight. There's <laughs> always it seems like if you watch a fight on Fight Pass, no matter what, like pick a <laughs> random fight, there's one person who's just screaming at the top of their lungs and, and like can, holding a note. For and like, you can hear them because yeah. there's so few fans in the uh-huh. audience. <laughs> but it's just um, I don't know. It kind of sucks to see the controversy surrounding this new title belt. Yeah. Uh, well, that there was already controversy. controversy yeah. The real controversy was <laughs> Chris Cyborg wasn't involved, but right, I mean, right, that's a different, right. <laughs> different debate. Um, you know, so now there's talk of it, them running it back immediately. Yeah. That's, that's, that's almost unbelievable to me. Someone who's lost three straight and clearly got tuned up getting an automatic rematch is very interesting. To right. Me. Yeah. And it's interesting because even though she lost to Misha Tate, she was winning that fight. She was. It was a close fight, but, but I she, was she was not winning, winning ever. I didn't feel like she was ever winning against Valentina or Jermaine. Neither, neither do I. I thought those were competitive fights. I don't think they were close. Right. You know, yeah, they were definitely competitive. Like yeah. she wasn't. Um, yeah, she wasn't getting outclassed or anything. Yeah. But that wasn't the only incident of controversy <laughs> right. yeah. from 208. Yeah. If the UFC still had taglines for events, remember when they used to do like <laughs> oh, yeah. pay-per-views? Yeah, I still give um, them my They kind of did one for 202, they like did. anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, I guess it was more of a slogan than like a name when they would name events. But, anyways. Derek Brunson's fighting Anderson Silva. Yeah. And I, I kid you not, for those of you who didn't watch the event, it was uh, I felt like it was clearly a Derek Brunson win. Yeah, me too. But the judge's scorecard gave it to Anderson Silva. And there was a moment where it's like 20, they were reading the scores, like 28-7, 28-27, and 30-20. Like when you heard those first two scores, maybe it was John Morgan, I think, again, who was saying this because we were sitting close to yeah. each other. Um, he was like, man, when I heard those first two, I thought the score was – they got it like it could go either way. And then when I heard the third was a 30, 27, I was like, they got this right. right and right. then it was Silva. Yeah. Like it just blows my mind. Yeah. And there's at one point during the fight when Silva started doing the kind of capoeira and like the mm-hmm. dancing. And I was like, they're going to, these judges are going to give it to Silva just because he's been 
flashier. And they sure and, did. <laughs> yeah, it's not they're not thinking about strikes or takedowns or any of this kind or of thing. Fighting. They're just you know they're looking at Silva's kind of being a little bit more of aggressor. Yeah. He's kind of the one you know walking him down and hunting. Yeah. And then he started to get flash, and they're like, oh well, he's being cocky. He must be winning the fight. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't be this confident if right. they weren't winning. Who would be dancing if they were losing? And little do they know that uh, Anderson does that specifically when fights are close because he's a counterfighter first and foremost to goad someone into making a mistake. Yeah, no, they 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 screwed that up royally. The judges thirty to see all one judge say all three rounds went to Anderson Silva is almost incomprehensible. In the clinch where Silva is probably the best ever, every single time that I remember, Mike, and you were there and you had better angles than me, but every time that I remember, um, they were in the clinch. Oh, Derek beat him up bad. Anderson doesn't tell; he's so tough. He doesn't cut, but he got rocked every time he lost in the clinch. every clinch exchange every i mean and it, that was almost shocking to see yeah. because the clinch is such an integral thing of yes. what anderson silva does yes. and then he got that clinch and Derek brunson just coming up and silva wasn't able to do what right. he wanted to do from the clinch because right. he was weathering these punches like the clinch worked even though silva was initiating it it was brunson who was walking away from those exchanges oh yeah the winner absolutely it was a clear clear win for Derek Brunson. I thought it's really – I don't know if folks have read it. If they haven't, go and read um, what Derek, Derek Brunson put together, like a, a statement. He wrote an article about why to, this matters. Oh, an article. Yeah, like a formal letter, basically, right? And so everyone's picked it up. And it's, um, it's really good, and it gives you some sense of, of why this matters. You know, Maybe maybe if these guys got all, all got paid like the New England Patriots, one loss, you know, one week – wouldn't matter as much, but when you literally will get your what you make cut in half, depending on whether these judges are competent or not, it, it matters a whole lot. You know, this was going to be a signature win for Derek Brunson, who is a really a quietly a big contender in this in this division. He's lost a very few people legitimately, um, one of them being like Gil Romero, who's arguably the number one contender. This was a huge opportunity for him that he took on short notice. And he went ahead and beat the best middleweight in history, and doesn't get credit for it. That sucks, man. Well, and the other issue is. You know, this is a sport where it's like you lose two fights in a row and the chatter is immediately like, are you on the cutting block? Because that used yeah. to be the mythical, yeah. you know, death sentence was two sure. losses in a row. Sure, because there's um, no that's not necessarily, Yeah, that's not necessarily the case anymore, right. I feel like. But, you know, now this gives him two losses in a row. And, it, you know, your heart goes out to him. Cause Absolutely. It wasn't, uh, you know, to go against somebody who's the best and somebody you looked up to. And you talked a lot in the build up about um, what it would be like to sit across the cage and mm. see Anderson Silva and looking up to him and, mm. you know, trying to block all that thing out and recognize it's another fighter to see, you know, there's more to overcome than just beating an opponent when you're fighting Anderson Silva, I think at this phase, you know, Absolutely. Like, like this is as a, you know, as a childhood hero, if that makes sense, like when I meet, you know, I was a Cowboys fan, so that's the easiest thing for me to make it. Like, if, you know, meeting Emmett Smith is like an awe thing. You know, if I were to meet Ezekiel Elliott, it would be like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm older than you. But, <laughs> the, you know, I think there's that part of it. Like, this is a guy you look up to and you respect and you have to, you know, get over that. Yeah. And then to do it and to win in a pretty convincing fashion. <laughs> it, was pretty, he, it, was, it, was, it was, it's unbelievable that anyone thought that Derek Brunson didn't dominate. So... <laughs> This brings up the um, the next the next uh, discussion. Yeah. Uh, the judges in New York. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are like, "Well, you know, there's some growing pains going on here." Um, you know, is that is that what you think the issue is? Is it just like these New York State judges are still trying to learn the sport? I mean, this is only the third UFC event yeah. in the state. I don't know. It would. There's always a particular history to each person, right? Like, it would make sense. That would be a good uh, uh, reason because they're not experienced in New York. 
But that would also make it seem like judges are good anywhere else, and they're not, by and large. They, they by and large, don't know what they're doing. So this is, is a truncated history of judging in MMA. They took boxing judges and kickboxing judges, who themselves, by and large, from, I'm, and I'm making a very broad statement that I feel very strongly is, is accurate, but it's my own. Um, they took boxing and kickboxing judges, who themselves largely didn't know anything about boxing or kickboxing. In many of the biggest states, like Nevada, Athletic Commission and Illinois as well to a certain extent. I'll, again, this is my own statement. These are basically political appointments in many ways. It's a, it's a lot about if you're interested in who you know. Um, but these are not experienced fighters and coaches that become judges by and large. And they didn't know much of what they were looking at in boxing and kickboxing. And then they took those people who were pretty ignorant of boxing and kickboxing and just said, well, now you're an MMA judge because it's the same commission. Mm-hmm. So the judging everywhere is wildly inconsistent. And, and they also have to use, I think, really poor-fitting criteria. I think the, the, the criteria we have is, doesn't fit MMA very well, the structure. So I think it's pretty bad everywhere. But, yes, it would make sense if, if New York judges and refs are particularly challenged because of their real lack of experience with, with, with the big events. That would make sense. But I'm not also putting anyone else off, letting anyone else off the hook because they're right. all pretty bad. Well, I mean, as a manager, it's like you almost got to think twice about putting, you know, if you have a guy, like, do you want him fighting in sure. New York? Sure. You know, there's, anyways, that's a that's a different debate. No, but, but it's an interesting one. You know, the, the thing about it is, is like the jujitsu game is so nuanced. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's one thing that I've learned from going to events and I've sat like all over the arena watching events mm. that sometimes it's hard to see as well in a person. Um, obviously the judges are sitting cage side, so that's not necessarily as much of an issue for them, but you know, watching at home versus watching in the, you know, stand somewhere, uh, there's a lot of nuance that you can't notice. And I don't think they necessarily understand the nuance No, and grappling and jujitsu such it's always evolving and there's always people innovating and there's different techniques and different things that people are trying. You know, there's, there's a phase where we're going through where like, um, correct me if I'm wrong here wasn't like the guillotine like was kind of like gone and then mm-hmm. it's like come back with like mm-hmm. a vengeance you know sure. um so it's like always evolving and yep. changing and yep. you know there's a good thing like if you're on top you know oh well you're losing right right, right or right, you're winning from, I'm yeah, sorry right, right but like right, you right. could be doing more damage from the bottom yep. and you know then there's this wrestling and it looks like this guy is just holding this other guy down it really can be the guy on the bottoms like moving this guy into an Americana or a Khmer sure, or sure. you know trying to set up a triangle and it's you know these people who don't follow the sport or know that like they yeah. don't understand that that's what they're doing like this yeah. the guy on top is trying to you know avoid danger while the guy at the bottom is putting him consistently yeah. in danger it's like chess you know it's yeah. like you're in check you're in check you're in check and yes. these guys are constantly trying to stay and you can't uh, you can't appreciate that to the level that you're qualified to judge a fight unless you've done that and I'll and I'll say that now like I just think that's necessary and and nowadays there are so many hundreds of thousands of people in the United States alone that train and have decades of experience training uh, and to say nothing of competing, that it, it makes no sense that the most important like opinions in the sport of MMA are ones held by people that have never done this. It's, there's no reason for that. You, we, can, we, can so, we can solely choose from people that, that train and have competed at this point, and I think they should. I think you're, you know, you've... You've trained Muay Thai, and I think, you know, even though you don't have a lot of grappling experience, you're watching critically and you're starting to learn. Um, but, you know, so you're starting to see it, but you also have that interest, right? You're, you're, tr- you're looking to see what don't I learn, what can I learn. You have to have that intellectual curiosity. And also, I, and I'll go a step further, that'll help you cover the sport. But if, if it was your job or my job to, to judge, 
like fights. That's well, no, you got to train. Like you had okay. to have had to train. There needs to be like some kind of training course or something it's, at least. To it's, well, I mean, I think it's called go train for years and years and years, then you're qualified to judge. Right. I mean, that's my own personal take. Because why not? But I mean, like, I, like why in the world wouldn't you? That's not the way we judge like equestrian or swim. You know, like tennis or diving. Like these don't people you have question all done my that. equestrian <laughs> judging skills. I know you're making your I'm way. I'm from in Texas, and there are horses. That's all <laughs> that's the requirements I need. You're more qualified yeah. than me. That's for sure. <laughs> people ride horses through the drive-through. That's <laughs> All I need to be an equestrian dressage ju- judge. And I'm, right. I'm embarrassed that I even know that dressage is yeah. an Olympic event, but I only know that because the Olympics just happened. That's, that's all right. Um, Dancing horses are cute. But, you know, we'll end with, the, like, I guess we'll wrap up this discussion and then um, end the show. But, you know, i always been drawn to the striking side of things, mm-hmm. especially the Muay Thai. I love the clinch game. Like, that's something that really appeals to me. But as I've, you know, watched the sport over the years, it's the jiu-jitsu's, like, become, and I've never practiced it, but it's become... Um, fascinating to watch to mm-hmm. see that that kind of chess match and like you know always put his foot there his hand there this is why he's holding his wrist this way or you know like to, to see and to try mm-hmm. there's just so much more to read into and a lot of people you know when you watch the events and you hear people booing during the grappling exchanges it's like this is part of the sport like yeah. Or watch um, kickboxing. Right. You could have saved kickboxing, people. People tried it in the 70s and 80s. Right. You apparently didn't like it that much, so you lost your chance. You no, know, but I think <laughs> it's it's so fascinating, like the chess match that's like going on there. And, you know, anyways. I agree. I, I agree. Um, we have Kevin chiming in on the line who said that I have heard that, referring to that Curtis, our guest, mm. is an awesome person. He says, I work with a teammate of his. Oh, cool. um, he has a huge heart as well which clearly was evident based on what yeah. he was saying about the high seems school like kid. And uh, he also added that it seems kind of like a requirement for everyone in that organization or on the team that he is on. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Rick, I'm assuming he means Rick Carrero, mm-hmm. uh, there makes it a requirement. It's definitely mm-hmm. refreshing. So it is definitely refreshing. And that was something that we mentioned earlier. Um, and he also added he's a man. He can't wait to see him develop. So anyways, we'll, there's one question from Jose that we'll get to. Cool. And then we'll move on. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. No, end the show and tease what we have coming for you because we have something coming for you. Uh, McGregor has the left hand. What do you think is your best weapon in the cage? <laughs> like ours personally? I mean, I think it was meant for Curtis, but it was like way too oh, late. Okay. <laughs> but I thought maybe I like, he was uh, talking about, you know, you talked about practicing sports. Yeah, I mean, I, I have the, my weapons such as they are, are very amateurish. I fight as an amateur. Um, so I won't even, I won't even pretend like I should answer that because I don't have many good weapons. Uh, yeah, I'm curious. Well, what do you think of Curtis's, uh, his best weapon? I mean, it's some form of wrestling. I think. Uh, he was talking about before how he how he really likes to finish his takedowns in proper position, which is again one of those details of grappling that you may not pick up on. And he likes to make sure his shoulder is digging right into the ribs. Good things for you and bad things for your uh, your opponent happen when you finish it strong and your love, shoulder right in their ribs. You can break them. That's a good one. When yeah. I played hockey growing up, my, the coach would always teach us like little things like you know you can lean on the guy this way or uh, you, you tug this thing or you put your hand here. Stuff you matters. Know? And it's like the same thing in the grappling. You know, like the uh, the obvious ones like the hand over the mouth or yeah, stuff right, like that. Right, like right, right. Um, to break up the breathing. But you know, like the wrist lock that uh, yep. Habib used against Michael yep. Johnson yep. was like a great thing. That is the, grabbing the shoulder the and the that. ribs is is That's a good one. Huge, especially when you're heavyweight just like putting all that weight on somebody i couldn't even imagine feeling that press. things like that in head position really matter so like if people remember randy couture's fight against gabriel gonzaga um he finished he, he scored a takedown and that was the beginning of the end it was a great takedown he landed in the side but the real reason it was the beginning of the end is because he shattered gabriel gonzaga's nose with the takedown how did he do that he had such good head position that when he fil- followed gonzaga to the ground his head it was effectively a huge headbutt 
He didn't load up, so it was legal. He had his head placed right where it should be. Hard part of his head and a soft spot of Gonzaga's when they landed. It was a brutal well, headbutt that shattered his nose. Gonzaga's head hits the mat, and it's done moving, and the other guy's head exactly. still moving forward, and something's got to give. That little things like that make such difference at the high level, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, again, sorry that uh, we couldn't make the Dustin Poirier interview work out. Maybe we'll try and get him on next week. Um, things happen, and we certainly understand that. Uh, but it was nice to have Curtis Blades in the Absolutely. show and also to have a little bit of time talking about UFC 208. But we have something else for you. Uh, coming to tomorrow afternoon, evening, we'll be loading a second episode for this week of the Extra Rounds podcast. And it's going to be uh, all UFC Halifax fighters. We're going to have um, Derek Lewis, Travis Brown, who are fighting in the main event on yeah. that episode. We're also going to have Johnny Hendricks and his opponent, Hector Lombard. Um, that's awesome that's in a middleweight bout Johnny Hendricks moving up yeah. um, had another uh, issue um, but he's making the move up so we'll talk to him and see how he feels about that uh, that will be uploaded tomorrow afternoon so a bonus episode that will not be streamed on Facebook Live though that will only be on the podcast so you're going to have to subscribe on iTunes Google Play we're also in the TuneIn app the Stitcher app um, to tune in to check those out so uh, be on the lookout for that so thank you everyone for tuning in to watch once again uh, we really appreciate it and we'll see you next week <laughs> Thank you.